I was I was thinking the other day. You know how we make jokes about how Hannah's we think Hannah's dad is in the mafia, mm-hmm. and I was like I was thinking like Tony is such the perfect name for like a mobster. Like it really no, is. Tony, Tony, go get go give me the gabagool the, the market. Like, I, I was doing laundry and I was like Tony has like the perfect gangster name. It, see that's all like that's why I just always assumed that he was because like, yeah he acts like it. He's his, he's named for it. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is once again time for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast here. As you can see, we are missing man formation again. In case you're wondering where Slate is, uh, I got a live update for you guys. This is him. First part. Generous ball. <laughs> so that's that's Slate outside of his house right now. Uh, don't ask me why he did that. But uh, so it's just the two of us. We got a lot to talk about today still, uh, and we are excited to get into it. Nick, how was your weekend, buddy? Uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. Uh I went to a party on Saturday night. I didn't get to drink because I was the DD, but ended up leaving and drinking afterwards. So it was, it was cool. It was cool. And I think Slade like threw a whole bunch of toilet paper down in his shitter or something because he didn't want to hear the two of us and the rants were about to go on. Um, that's yeah. just my hypothesis. He did, he did not confirm uh, or deny that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I just want to warn you guys right now. First of all, that was $8 for the spare jar. But if, mm-hmm. if you have children at home and you're trying to watch this episode, I would highly suggest putting them in another room. Uh, we're we're not going to be using kind language tonight. We are upset about a, a multitude of things. And so we will make sure we get through all of that uh, and more. So just that's your, just your warning coming into the episode. Uh, if it's on but, the TV, turn it off, watch it on your phone, put some headphones yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but let's, without further ado, let's get into it. And, and probably the first hot button issue uh, is NASCAR. Uh, so I was at the race this past weekend. Uh, I was at the Roval race here in Charlotte. Terrible race. I mean, and I understand. I, I think it's the package more so than anything because we've seen in years prior where the Roval race has been pretty good. A lot of drama throughout. It's a cutoff race, so you have everybody watching the points here and there. Um, I really want to say it was it was more of a package issue with with the, the cars this year. Um, three laps in, everybody gets spread out single file, and there was hardly any passing. Uh, the, the most competitive we saw anybody before the caution started coming out. Um, William Byron started closing on, on Joey Logano at the end of the first stage, but even then, not really. Uh, there was not a lot of passing. And then we go through the second stage, much of the same. Uh, again, to the third stage, uh, again, much of the same. We had you know pit stop strategies and stuff like that playing out, but just, there was no passing. Once you got three laps in, everybody was too spread out. It was single file from there on out. Uh, and then we had the first caution come out for a sign being in the middle of the track. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, it could stay green, so on and so forth. Um, I was begging for a caution at the race. It was so boring. Uh, I, I don't know if, if it's me or if it's Hannah or if it's both of us together going to the races. Uh, but both of the, the Charlotte races we've gone to now have been terribly boring. Um, and so I was just begging. I, I was begging for a caution just because I wanted to see everybody shove down in the turn one and wreck everybody. Uh, so we finally get a caution. We get the restart. That happens. I was like, okay, I'm good. My driver jumps out to the lead. I'm happy. I'm content. We can just ride it out till green. 
Uh, Chase Elliott got spun off the bumper of Tyler Reddick, um, you know, coming through the inner loop there. In a completely uh, uncalled for move, oh, yeah, I guess. Abs- like, absolutely. I, I won't say nothing too much because, like, at that point, you know, it, towards the end of the race, everybody was fighting for stuff. Um, so, like, I, I can't say that it was an absolute, like, asshole move to do it. But he had he yeah. wasn't passing. There was no way he was getting through there. His probability was probably, like, 0.001%. I think it might have been a little, uh, you know, just a, a poster. Uh, but nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but still, thought that was the end of the drama. We make it a whole nother lap around, and then we have another accident, which unfortunately brings out the yellow flag. Uh, Christopher Bell had just pitted before that, so he was running down Harvick, um, and we got a restart. Everybody kind of knew Christopher Bell was going to jump out, but the point situation was was multiple things. I mean, nobody knew what was going to happen going into turn one. Somebody was going to take Bell out. Somebody was going to take Harvick out because Harvick kind of – not necessarily dumped, but definitely moved Almendinger out of the way. Was Almendinger going to try and get revenge in turn one? Uh, they set off. When they set off from the restart, the points sat as if Christopher Bell won, uh, Kyle Larson would make it to the next round unless Austin Sindrick finished 11th or higher. Nobody thought about Briscoe at this point because Briscoe was super far back. He had just pitted, but he had also just kind of gotten into an accident on that last restart. Um, and so nobody was really looking at him. All of a sudden, we, we get off. Austin Ginger gets a terrible restart. kind of gets shuffled to the back. And then I think he actually got caught up in the in the turn one accident um, that ensued. Uh, Christopher Bell goes on to win the race. So Chase Briscoe just can't finish higher than 11th. Uh, makes a last you know lap dive. Uh, and going into the backstretch back chicane, excuse me, um, we had a little bit of our, our controversy, which is, it has me fired up. Uh, Christopher Bell, or excuse me, not Christopher Bell. Cole Custer getting into the backstretch chicane, slams on his brakes, checks everybody else behind him. Chase Briscoe goes flying by, gets the next couple positions, and goes up. Um, it, it came out, we're going to talk about it here now, um, came out, Cole Custer was fined yesterday $100,000, uh, 50 driver's points. Uh, Swordhouse Racing was fined 50 owner's points. And the crew chief uh, for Cole Custer, excuse me, I forget his name, uh, was fined $100,000 as well, and he suspended indefinitely. Um this is the, the, the big sticking point for me. NASCAR came out and said he manipulated the end of the race. Uh, if it would have manipulated the playoffs and, and you know, who advanced, because Chase Briscoe didn't know it at the point. He, he was just out there passing. He was told, hey, you need to go out there, pass as many cars as you can to get the next round. Um, and so and by the, his his crew was confident 100 percent. They were talking on the radio and like some of the announcers were like, oh, Briscoe's back there, but whatever. And they went to his team radio and they were like, they basically were like, yeah, we got this. Like they acted like they had five points to spare. They they had no yeah. doubts whatsoever. Um, but at the time of, of said incident where Custer slammed on the brakes, he checked out Austin Dillon, and I can't remember the car that was behind him. It might have been Eric Jones. Um, those two check up to stay out of it. Briscoe goes flying by. At the point that happened, Briscoe was actually he was in on a tiebreaker. But at the same time, your 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 mind as a driver is okay. I I know I need to pass people. I'm out here to pass people. Um, and whether I'm in on a tiebreak or not, I want, I want to put a stamp on it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if somebody's going to turn left up here and dump me or what's going to happen. I need to pass as many cars now as I can to make sure I get in. Uh, but anyway, they came out. They said, you know, we, we penalized him, but it would have been much worse had that incident affected, you know, Briscoe getting to the next round. Uh, they kind of pointed at, uh, I believe it was 2013, um, when we had Spingate at Richmond with trying to get, uh, Clint Boyer and Martin Truex Jr. into the chase uh, on, on points. 
here's my thing. And I'm going to try and be as calm and collected as I can because this is very upsetting. And it doesn't matter to me who was involved. Yes, I'm a Stuart Haas Racing fan. I'm a Kevin Harvick fan. Chase Briscoe is my next guy up just because I know Kevin Harvick is on his way out probably after next season. If this happened to anybody else, I would probably still be equally outraged because it just shows a lack of cohesion in NASCAR on how they rule things. I look back to the, the fall Bristol race last year. Uh, where Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick kind of got into a spat. Uh, Chase Elliott's tire gets cut down. He goes in, he pits, he comes out, he says, where's the four? I- I'm going to go help my buddy, you know, the-, the five who's chasing him down. Goes out there, purposely holds him up. So you had confirmation over the radio. They have all this telemetry data saying uh, he was letting off super early on the straightaways. He was slamming his brakes in the corners when he didn't need to. He just doing everything he could to hold up Harvick. Kyle Larson gets by, goes on to win the race. You think forward to the next round. Harvick gets knocked out the very next round of the playoffs. Um, and so you have that. Uh, I mean, there's been multiple times this season alone where drivers have gone out and, and helped their teammates. Okay, hey, let, let's help them get to the next round. Let's help them lock up some playoff points, so on and so forth. Um, and the, the funny thing to me about all of this is the, the guy who handed out the penalty for NASCAR. Um, and I can't remember his name. I saw it a thousand times yesterday. Um, but he is the race director, uh, whatever the official title is. He was a race director at Michael Waltrip Racing in 2013 when Spingate happened. So he was the guy behind everything that happened in Spingate. But all of a sudden, he's out there saying, no, 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 we, we manipulated the race. I, again, yes, they did manipulate it. Uh, they didn't outright say it over the radio. They, yeah, they used their code words, which are terrible code words. Um, and, and so on, but you need to call everything fair. It needs to be the same. It, it can't be, and I saw a bunch of people tweeting this saying, oh, you know, um, it's going to be harder to get away with this because somebody said about how everybody's going to have to change their words heading into this weekend and, and so on. I don't think it's going to be about your words anymore. You can come out flat out say, slam on your brakes and stop or spin this guy out. We need the points, whatever. And I don't think it's going to matter anymore because I think NASCAR has made it very clear. We are going to penalize who we want for how much we want. And it just comes down to who you are, basically. We saw weeks ago, you think back to the Texas race. It's clear as day. Yellow flag is out. William Byron comes up behind Denny Hamlin and sends him through the infield. He gets fined. He gets points. He gets every maximum penalty you can get in, in a situation like that. Everybody's fine. All of a sudden, he comes out actually heading into this weekend. Actually, we're going to give him the points back, and he just has to pay his fine. So you're saying what I can do is okay. I just got to pay you money. I can guarantee you if that would have happened this week, if let's let's put Cole Custer in that situation, yellow flag comes out. He's going down the backstretch. He dumps somebody who now has to go pit. Hey, Chase Briscoe gets position, whatever. The, the penalty would have been the exact same. They would have appealed it. It would have stuck. I can guarantee you. What I'm saying is NASCAR is just making it very clear. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. But if you are on this list of people that don't really get a lot of attention for the sport, uh, you know, don't have a lot of fans, so on and so forth. If you're not helping put eyes on this sport, I will penalize you whatever I want. I don't care. You can appeal it, and I'm not going to do anything about it. If if Chase Elliott, I honestly got to feel like Chase Elliott could have done the same exact thing to help Kyle Larson get the next couple points he needed. To, to stay in the playoffs and everybody have been like, Oh, okay, whatever. And we would have never heard, heard another yeah. thing about it. Um, it, it makes me want to watch the sport so much less. It, it's been extremely hard. I feel like these are the worst playoffs I've seen in years. 
I am losing my, my attention span for NASCAR. And I feel like there's a lot of professional sports right now. You and I were talking about this the other day. We're going to talk about the NFL here in a little bit. It, it takes a lot for me to want to stay engaged with the sport, especially with a, a super long season like it is. But I, I've tried to keep up with NASCAR. We, we The three of us have gotten into it more this year. We did our fantasy league, so on and so forth. At this point, I, I couldn't care less. I, I was so excited for my guy to win. He ends up finishing second. I felt good. All of a sudden, this stuff comes out on, on Tuesday, and I was done. There, there is no – if people are going to get special treatment just because of their name or the brand or whatever they bring to the sport, why why the hell am I bothering watching? Why am I rooting for my guy when I know that if he gets put in a situation, he's going to get the short end of the stick, the other guy is going to get the benefit of the doubt? It, it's just very disheartening to me. It's going to turn a lot more people to the sport, and it just shows how – Everybody thinks NASCAR is, is going to go in this great resurgence, and we're going to get back to the early 2000s, late 90s NASCAR, where this is a, a top three sport in the country, and you know people couldn't, couldn't help but tune into every race. There's so much manufactured drama and everything going on right now. I think it's hurting the sport more than it, it's helping. It, it's, people are watching this going, oh, why did I just watch that four-hour race for, for nothing? You know, yeah, we had some last-minute drama, but you know, it's it's it was all manufactured because you have a stupid playoff system, and then when you have guys who know what they need to do to help their teammate get to the next round, again, the key word here is teammate. Yeah. It, it, NASCAR always makes this big thing where, yeah, it's an individual sport, but you also have your teammates. You got to help your teammates. You go to super speedway tracks. You got to help your teammates, and, and then you have teams exploiting. Hey, I'm I'm going to help my guy. I'm going to get him to the next round. Oh no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, it, I'll let you talk for a minute because I'm starting to stutter because I'm I'm just getting worked up more and more, but it's just very aggravating and it's disheartening and it makes me just not want to watch. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned all three of us were trying to get into it. We had kind of slipped away. We all used to watch it a lot. Um, you know, the performance package for the most part, I, I would say helped make it more competitive. Um, but then you got dumb stuff like this and you know, when, when you start to bring politics into sports, um, it ruins it for a whole lot of people. And especially when you're bringing those politics, you know, onto the performing surface, whether it's on the track in NASCAR or whether it's on the field in football. Um, and like you said, I, I know you're about to go on another long rant here, uh, pretty much kind of on the same lines uh, as what you're talking about now, but with the NFL. And we think about uh, first one that pops into my head, Tom Brady. Uh, getting sacked this past weekend against the Falcons. Um, the guy gets uh, roughing. I don't even think they called it roughing the passer. I think they called it roughing the quarterback, or at least that's the term that I heard um, be used by the announcer. I don't know if there's a distinguishable difference there. Um, as far as I knew, roughing the passer was after he let the go, let the ball go. I know there's rules now where you know you can't get your body weight on on the quarterback or whatever the hell the situation may be. Um, but then last night in the Kansas City or. Two nights ago um, in the Kansas City Chiefs Raiders game, uh, the same literally the same exact thing happened to Patrick Mahomes. And I'm surprised they didn't call it. Uh, But, you know, but they they called it for Derek Carr. Yeah, Yeah. they called it for Derek. Like, it's just the officiating again. I'm going to let you touch on this because I know that, you know, you got you probably got your whole rant planned out. Um, But the officiating all over the majority of sports that goes on nowadays um, and that favoritism towards certain players or certain certain racers or certain teams uh, is out of hand. And, you know, 
you just got me into hockey last year. I haven't seen anything like that in hockey yet. Um, you know, they have some questionable calls and and some games where you're like, okay, the refing isn't fair. But like, you watch Green Bay go out and play, and Green Bay is Green Bay's getting calls all night. You watch Dallas go out and play, Dallas is getting calls all night. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they're getting calls all night. And you know, obviously, we're starting to see that in racing and and seeing that favoritism. And yeah, it as somebody like I love the NFL, I love football. Uh, I grew up watching the NFL every weekend. Um, it's it's a turnoff. It's a huge turnoff, plain and simply, uh, you know, because you go out there and you're like, well, why would I watch this if the people in charge of making sure that it's fair go out of their way to make it unfair so that the desired team can at least have a good attempt at getting the result they want? And again, it goes across all sports that do it. Um, you know, NASCAR fans, especially this year, like I said, the, the performance packages made it more competitive. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, we might be on the right track here. And then they come out and they start doing this. It's going to turn people off. It makes it not fun to watch. It makes it unfair. And when I think about sports, like, I want a fair. I want to see people, you know, going up against each other. And I want to see the better team win. And we don't always see that. And it's it's frustrating. As a sports fan, I feel like it's going to come to a point eventually where I don't enjoy watching any sports. Like, you got me into golf last year. There's nothing they can do about golf. Like, you're going to hit good shots or you're going to hit bad shots. Nobody's going to come out here and flag you because you, you know, used your wedge wrong. I, like, it, you know, so... Uh, you can, but yeah. Yeah, you can, you can get penalized, but it's it's very rare. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's just, that's the way it should be. It should be fair. And when you start making it unfair, especially for teams that either already have an advantage or teams that aren't liked or players that aren't liked, it's going to start... To kill your fan base. I, I want to kind of wrap up this NASCAR thing here quickly. I don't know how quickly I'll be able to do that, but coming into the season, the whole thing was, okay, we want to take some of the power out of the teams. We want to give it to the drivers. We we want the drivers to go out there and show us why they're the best stock car racers in the, in the world and how good at driving they are. And I feel like for the most part, they did a really good job of that. We, we've seen so many different winners this year. It's not about who can build the best cars about who can go out there and drive their car the best. And, and we, we've seen that this year. And I, I felt like that was a huge plus for NASCAR this year. Like, yeah, I, I do love the team aspect of, Hey, you know, I'm still listening. I'll be right yeah. back. So-and-so team can go out there, put X amount of dollars in, into the research and development and so on. And they can bring the most kick-ass car to the track every Sunday. But at the same time that the, Decrease your parity so much because you had so many sponsors going to Hendrick, Gibbs, and Storthaus, so on and so forth. They were just running away. It wasn't fun anymore. We saw the same drivers winning every other week, and it was annoying. And so I really applauded NASCAR for what they did, but they just stopped. They went, okay, we, we did this. We're good. You, you guys go ahead. And they want to talk about other people manipulating the outcome of the race like we just had this week in the Cole Custer. You manipulated the outcome of the season when you didn't address anybody's safety concerns and now you have kyle bush or excuse me kurt bush out for the rest of the year who might be possibly retired now because he got a concussion at pocono off a minor fender bender accident that would have given you and me and our freaking sedan car a freaking we would have been hey i'm i'm a little dizzy i'm gonna go sit down for a little while and then you're fine and then you have the same exact thing with alex bowman who was doing pretty well throughout the playoffs not spectacular but pretty well now he's out he doesn't have a chance for the championship he is also not coming back until possibly Phoenix, but I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't come back for that either. I don't think he should at this point. You, you sit here and say, Cole Custer manipulated the race. He, he helped Chase Briscoe gain all these positions, so on and so forth. 
you've done the same exact thing. Where the fuck is your penalty? What the fuck are you doing about it? The fact that drivers since last season have said these crashes are too rigid. It, it doesn't matter if I if I slam the wall. If it's too rigid, my body's taking too much shock. It's not good. And you said, we're not changing anything. You had cars easily catch on fire. It became a major concern for all the drivers, but you didn't give a shit about that. The drivers voiced their concerns about, listen, Daytona and Talladega are bad enough on our, on our cars, on our bodies, so on. And then they repaved Atlanta. And they made it the same way. And they said, we don't want that. Drivers are just asking, begging to be consulted a little bit. But NASCAR says, no, 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 we know better than you. This is what the fans want. The fans know better than you. We don't give a shit about what you want. We don't give a shit about how you feel in these cars. We're going to go out there and make our money. And then when you do something we kind of don't like, that's the same exact thing that we're doing, which is manipulating the fucking race. Okay, we're going to fine you $100,000. Your crew chief is suspended probably for the rest of this season. If not, you know, who knows how many races they're going to do next year. You lose all your drivers and owners points so you can kiss any chance at that championship especially the owners drivers he was already out but still he can kiss any chance of that goodbye but not to mention the fact that where you finish in points you get x amount of dollars from nascar as well but hey you slammed on your brakes you held up two cars so your teammate could pass so he can make it to the next round of your stupid fucking playoffs and and you'll make a couple extra dollars which by the way he didn't get penalized at all which if they if nascar would have penalized chase briscoe i think i would have lost my shit even more but how the fuck can you sit there and say this driver manipulated the race when, like I said earlier, they didn't penalize anybody else the rest of this season or last season or any other times before for manipulating a race. They haven't done it since 2013 when you had the blatant spin gate, whatever. What what happened spin gate was obvious. It, it deserved to be penalized. This did not. And again, like I just said, and I'm, I'm starting to repeat myself, so I'll stop after this, but NASCAR manipulates the race themselves. And But God forbid a, a driver helped their teammate when NASCAR tries to put such an emphasis on teams. God forbid a teammate try to help his teammate. It, it becomes a problem. Hey, let, let's you know give this guy this huge penalty. I, I know Sword Haas is already appealing it. The appeal better stay in. The appeal better go through. Uh, but if it doesn't, I'm I'm already upset. At the penalty should have never come down. Regardless, uh, it's time to move on. Holy shit! Uh, so let's let's look at the points real quick uh, as we head to the round of eight. These are your eight drivers. So Chase Elliott leads the way. He's plus thirty one to the cut line. Logano is plus 11. Ross Chastain is plus 6. Christopher Bell is plus 3. And then your first four out as of right now, Blaney is minus 3. Byron is also minus 3. Denny Hamlin minus 5. Chase Briscoe is 9 points back. Uh, Nick, let me go ahead and get your first or your prediction for the four that are going to be eliminated. Yeah. Uh, so first I want to say just because in the middle of all the ranting, um, it kind of got pushed aside. Christopher Bell, you know, we talked about it in last week's podcast. He was sitting second to last, looking to be eliminated. He had to win the race to move on, and he put on a great race, ended up winning, um, ended up moving on. So uh, congrats to him. And as far as prediction for this next round, I mean, I look at these eight drivers, and minus Chase Elliott and, you know, Christopher Bell, the way he's raced for the majority of these playoffs, I think that any one of these drivers could find themselves on the outside looking in come the end of round or end of the round of eight. Um, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, he's had some, some good stretches and he's had some bad stretches. Uh, Briscoe, I'm honestly surprised that Briscoe is still in. I think I had him, I might've had him past the round of 16, um, but he's done enough to win. You know, obviously we just talked about that whole situation as a Kyle Larson fan. Like I, I probably could be mad about it, but in my opinion, that's racing. 
Um, anytime I watch races, especially NASCAR races or any any major big track races, you're if you know that like say you're sitting a lap down, you got passed by your teammate, and the guy in second place is coming up behind you, you're gonna do everything you can within the confines of the rules of the game to slow that you know that other driver down to give give your buddy the best chance he has. Um, so I, I can't be mad at him. Yes. Kyle Larson's on the outside looking in now, um, but he's still going to get to race and he's won the championship last year. So like, yeah, you can't be mad about that. Um, I, as, as far as the four eliminated after this round, I, I mean, like I said, I, I feel good about Christopher Bell and I feel good about Chase Elliott. Um, I think that Hamlin is going to be able to, you know, put a run together here. I think he's going to end up making it. And as far as my fourth person making it, I, I got to go with Ross. Uh, he's had a good season. He, you know, he's competed in a whole lot of races. And I, I think that, so what would that make? Blaney, Byron, Briscoe, and Logano would be my four out. Okay. Uh, my championship four, I'm going to do with Elliot Logano. Um, Elliot, he's 31 points clear. Unless he has three disastrous races, he should yeah. be fine. Uh, he's also heading the tracks where he's pretty strong. Uh, Logano, I think, will also be fine. He's run really well at Homestead in the past, especially when the championship race was there, which it should still be there. Uh, but that's a debate for another day. Um, Chastain, I think, does just enough. He, he did just enough the pass round, uh, even with his axle basically disintegrating on, on him uh, at the Roval. Um, so those are my three. And then I think Blaney also gets in. Um, he just seems to have all the luck on his side right now uh, with squeaking by on points. He still hasn't won a race yet this year. I would love to see Ryan Blaney win the championship without winning a race. Uh, that last, would be pretty great. Yeah. The last two things I want to say, um, one, you, you brought up Larson. Yeah, I, I I think Larson absolutely deserved to get to the next round. Uh, he definitely had the car. Yeah, he had some bad luck here and there. He made the mistake at the Roval. He hit the wall, and, you know, he ends up losing his, his code link. Um that's, I, I honestly think NASCAR penalized Custer because it, it knocked the golden Lars, boy out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the last I'll say on that on that subject because um, I'll, I'll just go on another 30-minute rant here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, Christopher Bell kind of got pushed to the side in there as we talked all about it. He absolutely deserved that win. He, he drove his ass off the last, you know, the last two restarts, really, uh, and put himself into position, uh, and he definitely deserved it. Uh, so shout out to him, and, you know, yeah, it added the, you know the excitement of the playoffs that we that NASCAR is so desperately looking for and you know really wants to emphasize so much. But when you do a stupid ass point system like this, where you hey, so many drivers are getting cut. What did you think was going to happen? What do you think is going to happen in Phoenix if uh, Chase Elliott is trying to run down, let's say Ryan Blaney for the championship, and he's catching him, but hey, there's a lap left and. You know, he, he just isn't going to get there. And Larson all of a sudden comes off pit road and freaking doors Blaney into the wall. And Chase Elliott goes on, are you going to penalize him? Yeah, yeah, probably. But at that, you're not going to take the championship away from Chase Elliott because then NASCAR fans are going to lose their shit. Oh, yeah. But you wanted this product. We are giving the drivers are giving you the product you wanted, the excitement, everything you wanted from this stupid fucking format. But then you're going to get upset, say, oh, no, no, you, you can't do it that way. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. Um, that's that's enough uh NASCAR. Almost got started again. Speaking of expletives, let's move over to the NFL week five recap. It's not gonna uh, get any better. <laughs> no. Um so let's go over the scores from this past week. 
uh, and, and tell you all about it. So the six, or seven games we picked this week, we had Tennessee at Washington. Uh, Tennessee squeaks out a last-second win over Washington with a goal-line stand, 21-17. The Jets are rolling right now with Zach Wilson back. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was declared out. I, I don't even know if he started the game. I'm not under. Yeah, he I, actually, I think first play. I believe okay. first play he got knocked out. Oh, I was at the, again. I was at the race. I just got the update saying you know Bridgewater was hurt. I couldn't tell if it was a warm up thing or not. Um, but the Jets get a huge win at home, forty to seventeen. Uh, a, a really good game out in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland got out to an early lead. Chargers came back, and then uh, Cleveland stumbles there at the end. San, or I almost said San Diego. L.A. gets a thirty to twenty eight win. Uh, probably the game of the week, and I think we we thought it would be uh, the. Eagle, or excuse me, the Cardinals miss a last-second field goal to send it to overtime. They lose twenty to seventeen. The Eagles are now five and zero. Cowboys continue their surprising one run with Cooper Rush. I'm so worked up now. I can't even talk straight. <clears throat> Cooper Rush continues his dominant run. He's he is now, I believe he's five and zero. He's five and zero as a starter. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's four and zero this season, but five and zero. Right. Okay. Um, they beat the Rams in LA twenty-two to ten. The Rams just do not look good right. Uh, the Bengals and the Ravens have a great game on Sunday night. Uh, Justin Tucker hits the last second field goal. The Ravens beat the Bengals at home 19 to 17. And we had a great Monday night football game as well. The Raiders jumped out to a 17 nothing lead at halftime. Uh, and here come the Chiefs. They come back and win 30 to 29. And then, of course, he had the controversy there after the game with Devontae Adams shoving the cameraman uh, and, and all the stuff that stirred up from there. Uh, but, Nick, I just want to get your thoughts on, on NFL Week 5. Yeah, so I have a few things to say about most of the games here. I'm going to try, try to keep it quick. Um, the only thing that I will say at this current moment about the Washington-Tennessee game, you have the ball at the two-yard line. We should have had one timeout. Ron called a challenge on a catch that he shouldn't have called a challenge on. But nonetheless, you have four downs, and I think it was like 36 seconds or something like that to score. We threw four pass plays in a row. Obviously, once you committed to the first pass play, you know, you kind of ruined that opportunity because you took some seconds off the clock. In my opinion, you have a rookie running back that was supposed to be your starter. He comes back after six weeks from being shot twice. Not only comes back, but gets introduced by himself while many men by 50 Cent is blaring over the stadium speakers. The opportunity was there to cement this man, not only in the city of D.C., but in the Washington football franchise's history. Give him the ball at the two-yard line. I guarantee you the kid runs it in. Guarantee. It was too perfect of an opportunity not to. Coaches got scared, started pissing down their leg. They said, we got to throw it four times in a row with Carson. Uh, Carson Wentz. Played a relatively great game. I seen a comment from Dan Orlovsky. You know, everybody knows Washington or uh, Ron Rivera came out and when asked why we were behind in the division, said quarterback. Um, it was a bit out of context. There was more said to it, um, but nonetheless, it was to sit there and say quarterback um, was a bit, as a Washington fan, uh, far fetched. I, I know Carson Wentz ain't perfect, but yes, he did make a mistake. He played a flawless game until those last four plays, the last two plays, third down a pass almost got intercepted turn around on fourth down try to throw the exact same pass and well it got picked off to seal the game um we're sitting at one and four i'll, I'll talk about it here again in a little bit uh but yeah uh, hand the ball to brian robinson J- give the kid a chance but nonetheless i don't have anything to say but go ahead, go ahead. before you move on to any of the game this is actually what i was upset about and this is what my nfl rant is going to be on yeah nfl officiating is terrible right now but it's 
it's on a steady decline. Like there, there's only so much I can get worked up about with the NFL referees. Oh yeah. yeah. We see it year in, year out, week by week. It just gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm, I'm not even wasting my breath on NFL officiating just because we, we know how terrible it is. There's, there's no point in saying anything yeah. uh, because the bad, the bad officials get to do the best games and it's just, it's always going to continue like that. Ron Rivera is a jackass. Oh. And, and I, I honestly, God, feel so bad for Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz the best QB in the league? No, he's not. And I, I would never say that. When you bring somebody onto your team, whether they're a, a star QB or they're a practice squad linebacker, they are your team. They are your family. Yep. In no way, shape, or form should you ever go out there and try to put all the blame on them. It's one thing to be like, hey, you know, Carson, he has, he has some things to work on. And, you know, we're going to keep working with him and try to get him better. You don't go into a press conference and say, yeah, our worst our worst spot right now, behind, you know, compared to the entire league is our quarterback. And your quarterback is fourth in passing. Yeah. He's, he's the only reason you've been competitive in most of these games because yeah. your offensive line sucks, so you can't we, run the We would have been nowhere close to this game if he didn't throw two beautiful bombs to De'Ami Brown. Like, yeah. And then I look at the defensive side of the ball, which Ron Rivera prides himself so much on. Your, your first – your your starting defensive line has like what four first round draft picks. Yeah, it seems like three currently because because uh, Chase is out. But yeah, it, four and, and when they, everybody's healthy. And they are at the bottom of the league in sacks. They're at the bottom of the league in QB pressures. They're, your defense can't stop shit. But that's Ron Rivera's yeah. pride and joy is is how good his defenses are. The man hasn't been relevant since 2015 in Carolina when he took a lucky ass team to 15 to one and then choked in the Super Bowl because he couldn't do anything and his quarterback was a didn't want to dive on a fumble. <clears throat> trying to keep the square jar to a minimum. <laughs> I'm pretty but, sure we're already up to like 30 bucks just this episode. Yeah, to be just to, to take it easy myself, I'll put it at 25. But yeah, <laughs> um, your, your coach sucks. I don't know why Dan yeah. Snyder thought he was a man to go after when he got ran out of Carolina. Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair to Carolina, they turned around, hired Matt Rule, who was bad enough, but then they let him stick around for how many years? But he's yeah. gone now. Um, I, I appreciate the the locker room needed a culture change. And I appreciate that Ron came in and brought that culture change, but there is way too much talent on the field. And I get it. We have holes uh, linebacker. Uh, our O-line gets shit on a lot, especially by fans. But in all reality, like for what they were, it could be a little better. Uh, better than the bears. Yeah. I can't think of the guy that we had last year. That's still currently a free agent. Um, but it really hasn't been terrible. Uh, but after that culture change, you know, we've seen seven and nine and then seven and ten two years in a row. Um, and we got slightly better those two years. And now we have the best talent that I've seen on this roster probably since RG3 led us to the playoffs. And we're sitting at one and four and have no business being at one and four. Um, and Ron comes out week in and week out and says, oh, well, the, the game plan was in place. We got to execute better. Oh, well, it's the quarterback's fault. First of all, you got two NFL line ex NFL linebackers, one of which won a Super Bowl, being Ron, and you didn't know that we needed linebacker help going in this year. Now I'll get Jamin Davis has stepped up. Cole Holcomb is all over the field making tackles. I think he had like fifteen on Sunday, uh, and probably fourteen of them were against Derrick Henry. Um, but it, it's not the linebacker play that we need, you know, it, to be that next level team. And how two linebackers don't see that, I have no idea. Jack Del Rio, uh, you could probably give him a uh, Pro Bowl caliber, or literally the Pro Bowl roster on defense, 
and he probably couldn't do shit with it. Um, you know, we ruined William Jackson, in my opinion. He was one of the best cover corners in the league. We said, nah, you're going to play zone. And then we made him play zone so much that when we try to make him play man now, he forgets how to play man. Uh, absolutely ruined him. He was on the bench most of the Sunday, uh, which, in my opinion, is where he belongs. But we did that to him. Um, it's terrible. Scott Turner couldn't call an offense on a peewee league team. Uh, I, I just I, the accountability is going everywhere. Like you interview any player, you hear Terry McLaurin talk about it. Uh, Jonathan Allen, they step up and they say, yeah, we could have played better. You know, we missed some things. And the coaches just go, no, it's the players. We have everything perfect. Everything's in place. Ron Hansen had a winning season. And I'm pretty sure since that 2015 season, um, Scott Turner wishes he was his dad, but he's not. Jack Del Rio is calling defenses like he's in the 80s. Like it's it's terrible. It is terrible. And I I wanted to I don't want to necessarily say have faith because uh, as a Washington fan, that's just one thing that you don't have. Um, That's how you get your feelings hurt. But we are absolutely blowing what chance we had. The, the Eagles are great. I don't think we would have won the division this year, but we talked about it before the season started. We had a chance to compete, um, at least to make it into the playoffs. Dallas is doing ridiculous shit with Cooper Rush, and we can't do anything with uh, Carson Wentz. And I get it. He's, you know, inconsistent. I yell at the man. He misses throws sometimes, but it is not all on him. You look at the Philly game, struggling in the first half, and Scott Turner wasn't calling anything to help him. You know, get the short throws, get the momentum, get his confidence up. And as far as confidence goes, you know, Ron, when Carson walked in the building, Ron said, we want you here. And Carson loved that. And then it comes out a couple weeks ago where, oh, well, there was a place or there was a trade in place between San Fran and Washington for them to get Jimmy G. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, did we actually want Carson? And then you come out here and you throw a game completely on his shoulders when he did everything right minus the last play. And I have a feeling Taylor Heineke is going to be starting sometime soon, not because I think he's a better quarterback than Wentz, but I think that more than likely Wentz's confidence has to be shattered. Yeah. And this is, this is two years now that he has gone to a team and played with terrible coaching and, and terrible offensive coordinators and, and tried to do the best he could. Last year he had the Colts in a position to get into the wildcard game. Yeah, he shit the bed against Jacksonville, without a doubt. I, I can't defend But he wasn't the only one. Yeah, the entire team did. And the entire offseason, the culture dragging him, saying, oh, my yeah. God, he was terrible. You know, we don't want him next year. We don't care. Openly, not even quietly, whatever. He gets sent to Washington, like you said. He gets there. Ron Rivera's like, this is our guy. And then, yeah, the trade rumors come out. And then this comes out. One, Carson Wentz does not deserve it. As a fan, you can say whatever you want. But the one person – on that football team that needs to have your back more than yourself or more than your teammates is your freaking head coach. Yeah. Your head coach should not go to the media and say, this guy is a reason we're losing. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, it's common sense. When you're on the goal line for four plays, you don't throw the ball all four goddamn times. We saw them, what, the 2015 Super Bowl with the Seahawks? Yeah. Well, that was one play, but guess what? Everybody should have learned their lesson by then. Mm -hmm. You run. You do run, run, pass, run. I, yeah, and yeah, and I get that we didn't have timeouts, but at the very least, that first play with 36 seconds left on the clock, first down's got to be a run. If you want to pat, if you know, if you want to, if you got to throw it in the dirt the next play, and then you throw the next two, okay, I understand that, but you got to run that first play. And pat. I and I understand that that, that situation I just put out isn't going to work every time. Sometimes you need to go with a a, a fake spike or you know play action, whatever. I don't care. 
there is no reason to throw the ball four consecutive times on the yeah. goal line when okay, let's say they, they run the ball, they get tackled. It's not like the guys have to run 30 yards to get set up to run the next play. They're already there. They just got to yeah. shift, get done. You can spike the ball. You're on a fake spike. There are so many things you can do differently in that situation than throw the ball four consecutive times with a supposed quarterback that you don't trust. Yeah. It, it, it just boggles my mind that, like you said, there is zero accountability from the coaching staff onto the players. Or, or anything. If I if I'm in that situation, I go to the locker room and say, "Yeah, you know, yeah, we we botched some play calls. I botched that challenge. Yeah, there's some plays that we could have played better, but at no point am I saying they're going, "Oh no, this is Carson Wentz's fault." Carson yeah. Wentz is the reason, especially not to the man that kept you in the game. Like, you know, we had no run game. Uh, I think I do think that will get better as Brian Robinson, you know, gets his feet wet more and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't really had a run game, and I don't think it's all. On the lineman, Scott Turner, like I said, couldn't call plays for a peewee team. Uh, he's not his dad. You know, something's got to change there. And as far as I'm concerned at this point, clean slate, the whole coaching staff. We see what a good coaching staff is doing for the New York Giants, and they have half the talent that we have. If, you know, if Brian Dabble would have came here, oh, I, I don't even want to think about what our team could look like. But yeah. nonetheless, we're 40 minutes in and it's been 40 minutes of ranting. Uh, so I'll try to move on here. I don't have anything to say about the Jets-Miami game. Jets team, I, I called it before the season started. Uh, if this team's healthy, it's a very talented team, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Obviously, Miami, you know, Tua being out, and then um, Bridgewater being out helped the Jets. But nonetheless, uh, good game in Cleveland, like you said. It, Cleveland should have won that game, and they missed the field goal. Um, speaking of games you should have won and field goals, Arizona uh, – First of all, Kyler Murray, we have talked probably enough shit about Kyler Murray on this show. Um, You know you need to get to a certain line, like the first down line, and you know you need to slide. Listen, if you winning the game means you might take a hit by that safety or linebacker or whoever the hell it was that was running up to him, you take that hit. He slid two yards early. They spiked the ball. Now they only had one play. They had to kick the field goal. And then... If you're going to be a field goal kicker in the NFL and you're warming up before the game starts and you miss four kicks to the right facing the same direction on the field and next thing you know, oh shit, I have a game-winning field goal and I'm kicking to that same position, let me tell you, I am not missing that kick right. I will miss it left 10 times out of 10 before I miss that field goal right. What does he do? Kicks the same exact kick. He kicked four times to miss wide right in... uh, in the pregame, and they lose the game. It just to show you that team isn't perfect. We talked about it before the season. I don't think that team is the playoff team, but this is a game you should have won. Maybe I'm a little fired up because I wanted to see Philly get their first loss and it should have happened, but nonetheless, that's a game you should have won and you fumbled the bag. Uh, next game, Dallas. I, I can't say anything about Dallas. Michael Parsons is still a beast. The defense looks just as good as it did last year. The Rams look like an absolute shit show. I don't know what they got going on. It, you you wouldn't know that they won the Super Bowl last year, and their only real big loss was uh, the tackle. i completely drawing a blank now that I'm trying to say it. Big old ball guy. Looks like Mr. Clean. He retired. Um, Bengals-Ravens, that was a great game. And, you know, the drama in the Kansas City uh, Raiders game was, you know, it, it, typical NFL week drama. I, I'm honestly like exhausted at myself now just from bitching about my team. Uh, so go ahead and you tell me what you're thinking. 
Uh, just I just want to talk about the the Browns, not the necessarily the Browns game. Yeah, there was there was a lot of I mean the coaching in Cleveland is spectacularly terrible. Uh, but my biggest thing, and I will never understand why fans do this. Why are you burning jerseys you already bought? It, it, you're not offending anybody. The, the Browns yeah. don't care. You already gave they the Browns your money. money. The players don't care because guess what? You, they already got a, a cut of that the money that you just spent, and they're also getting paid millions of dollars by the team. I will never understand why people burn jerseys. It's something that yeah, always irks me. me. Uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, oh, another I, thing I, I real quick before I let you go. Uh, Devontae Adams, I forgot that you had mentioned it. Uh, completely uncalled for. I just wanted to get that out of the way. The dude was literally doing his job like it was a complete coincidence. He walked in front of Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams was like, nah. And he's yeah. facing charges. Like, for I forget how they worded it, but it's some a level. Mis- yeah, it's a misdemeanor now. Misdemeanor assault uh, so charge. Yeah. He won't have any jail time. but he'll Yeah, jail. in my opinion, he deserves it. Like, I, yeah. it might be a little bit extra, but first of all, if one of the best wide receivers in the league shoves me after a game, I'm first of all, I'm laying on that turf, like acting like my legs broke. Uh, yeah, I don't care if you're gonna make a dumb decision like that. I'm coming after your bank account. I could care less. So props to the kid. Like I, I don't know if he's actually following charges, but like at, no, he did. At, yeah. so, I was just, I wasn't sure if it was him or like, you know, whatever. Um, but either way, like he did uncalled for. The kid didn't deserve it. Just trying to do his job and just happened to walk in front of Devontae. Didn't even. I don't even think the kid looked at Adams. Um, and Adam's just like, nah, get the hell out of my way. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, like a fan or something running in front of him. Saying, yeah. Oh, you fucking suck. Something. And there's another dollar. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I got to move on because my head, my head's starting to hurt from yelling. Yeah, so that's fine. Here's our updated standings. Uh, Slade and I are now tied atop of the NFL game picks at 19 and 16. Uh, Nick actually had a pretty good week this past week, uh, but he still trails. He's at 17 and 18. In uh, week six, we're actually not going to make any picks this week. Uh, we're a little over quarter of the way through the season now. Uh, so we kind of just want to take a look at the standings, wherever te- where all the teams are sitting, uh, who's surprising us, who's not, how are our picks for, you know, playoff teams and so on lining up. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at these. Uh, we'll start with the NFC. In the East, uh, like we just talked about, the Eagles are 5-0. and Cowboys 4-1, and Giants at 4-1, and and the Commanders at 1-4. and In the NFC North, Vikings are 4-1. and Packers are 3-2 and after a surprising loss to said Giants. Um, Bears are two and three somehow, um, and the Lions are one and four somehow. Uh, in the NFC South, the Bucks are three and two. The Saints are two and three. The Falcons are two and three. The Panthers are one and four. In the NFC West, the 49ers are three and two. Rams two and three. Cardinals two and three. Seahawks two and three. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go through this, uh, and I'm just going to give one word uh, for, for each team. Uh, Eagles, surprising. Cowboys, surprising, especially without Dak. I know that's more than one word. Giants, surprising. Commanders, surprising in a bad way. Vikings, good. Packers, shit. Bears, shit. Lions, surprisingly shit. Uh, Bucks, shit. Saints, eh, but we kind of expected that. Falcons, better than I expected. Panthers, about what I expected. Um, I know this is more than one word at this point, but I don't care. Uh, 49ers, 49ers better than I expected, especially without Trey Lance. Rams, shit. Uh, Cardinals, about what I expected. Seahawks, better than I expected. Uh, and I'll let you go ahead and talk about the NFC. Yeah, so I, I won't harp too much more about the NFC East. Um, you know, the Eagles, uh, the big question mark for me before the season started was Jalen Hurts. And 
he misses some throws sometimes, but he's doing what he needs to do to get to have his squad at five and zero. Again, I think they should be four and one. They should have lost last week, but nonetheless, Cowboys. Uh, I think they look better without Dak, in my personal opinion. Now, granted, we only seen three quarters, I think, worth of football from Dak this year, uh, but it was a very struggling three quarters of football. Um, Giants, like I said, Brian Dabble, what he's done with that team, I have nothing but props for them. Um, we've seen it over in London. That team plays with heart the entire game. I knew, you know, Danny Dimes had it in him. We've seen Danny Dimes absolutely put the team on his back. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he will give you 100% every play. And then Commanders, I think between us and the Lions, we're the best one in four teams in the league, um, even though there's only three of us. Uh, as far as uh, NFC North, Vikings, I called it, um, you know, I, the Packers just aren't there this season. The Bears aren't there like every season. And the Lions, like I said, other best one and four team in the league. Uh, this is a team like I actually was talking about this with a buddy of mine the other day. The Lions defense carried them to the few wins and the few good games that they had last year and have not shown up this year. This offense, uh, what has been one of uh, minus losing to the Patriots uh, 16 and nothing or whatever it was. Uh, before that, the Lions offense had been one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL. Um, and the defense just wasn't there for him. The, the NFC South, I think, is an absolute shit show, in my opinion. The, the Falcons are a whole lot better than I expected, but not good enough to really do anything with it. The Bucks are only 3-2 and two because Brady sucks off every ref before the games. Um, the Saints are 2-3, and three, and I'm not really sure if I think they should be better or worse than that, to be honest with you, uh, with the games that they played. Panthers are going to panther. Um and in the West, 49ers, I, I really thought that they were going to take a huge step back this year. And right now, they're easily the best team in that division. The Rams, like I said, they don't look like they won a Super Bowl last year. I uh, Matt Stafford only throws the white wide receivers, apparently. Um, and the Cardinals are the Cardinals we talked about before the season. We've talked about it every time we mention them since. I do not think that they're a playoff team. Um, they The way this the NFC is phasing up, they might somehow end up being a playoff team, but we'll see come the end of the season. And the Seahawks, Geno Smith, uh, they wrote him off, but he ain't right back yet. So props to him. Uh, yeah, I try to keep that as short as possible. Yeah. Just the last thing I want to say about the NFC North, I said the Packers are, are trash. They definitely have the potential to be a, a good team. They just have no cohesiveness on yeah. either side of the ball. Their, their offense will come out and look really good you know, for either half or maybe even a whole game, and the defense will look terrible. Defense will come out and look really good for a half or a whole game, the offense will look terrible. And then there's games where they both look terrible. Um, I, I am very concerned about the, the wide receiver situation there. I think that's their biggest drawback. Aaron Rodgers can't dump the, the ball off to A.J. Dillon 50 times a game. That's it, just not going to get it done, uh, or Aaron Jones for that matter. Um, they need help at the wide receiver position, uh, you know, Vegas has had criminals the last few years. Maybe they're going to get tired of their reputation. Maybe they trade Devontae on his back. Who knows? I want to wait and see. But um, the Packers have the potential to be good, but they need oh, yeah. help. Uh, and we've seen this with them before, especially with Aaron Rodgers when he get, you know when he's got newer wide receivers. Um, there's a couple. Uh, I think he's a rookie. I can't think of his name. It's like Bobo or uh, something. It's not Bobo, but it's something close to that. Um, he's played pretty well, but he, like I said, he's a rookie. Um, you know, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has a little lack of 
trust there. Alan Lazard is argue well. Randall Cobb recently has been hit Rogers wide receiver one, but let's be honest, Randall Cobb's Randall Cobb, um, especially this late in his career. And Alan Lazard is Alan Lazard. He's a wide receiver two on a good day. Um, if Aaron Rodgers, again, we've seen it before. If he can get it figured out, Aaron Rodgers can make his wide receivers look like superstars. Um, I know he's getting a little older. Maybe the talent's fading a little bit, uh, but this can definitely be. And the run game, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will absolutely be pounding a team, and they will abandon the run. It's like, what are you doing? I know you have Aaron Rodgers, but look, if if your run game is allowing Rodgers to just keep turning around and handing it off, by all means, let him do it. Uh, but uh, Packers are going to Packers. There's a reason they don't go to Super Bowls, and when they happen to, don't win them. Um, so, whatever. Uh, moving over to the AFC side uh, in the East, the Bills are leading the way at four and one. The Jets are at three and two. Dolphins also at three and two. Patriots at two and three. Uh, the Ravens at three and two. Browns at two and three. Bengals two and three. Steelers one and four. The Titans lead the way at three and two. The Colts at two and two. The Jags at two and three. I feel like I might have messed that up, but uh, Texans at oh, yeah. one and three. You missed the Colts game somewhere. Yeah. Uh, in the AFC West, the Chiefs are four and one. Chargers are three and two. Broncos are two and three, and the Raiders are one and four. Uh, I won't do the same thing for the AFC as I did the NFC. Um, I'll just say that the Bills are looking like the team that we thought they were. Uh, they went into Baltimore and had a very nice comeback this past week. They just wall up the Steelers. Uh, there's no other way around it. They didn't even need to run the ball, which I hate because I got zero fantasy points. Uh, from speaking of fantasy sports, before you move on, real quick, I had in the only paid league that I'm in Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, who combined for 65 points in the first half. Gabe Davis literally was the majority of the reason that I won. He caught two passes for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Like, I sometimes Uh, you just get lucky in the NFC North, or excuse me, AFC North. I had predicted. I didn't predict the Steelers to win, but I thought they would be a wild card contender. Uh, that is not the case. They've already benched Mitch, which I'm I'm not here for. Um, but unfortunate for that prediction. That's not the team that you want to put your talented rookie quarterback into. It. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Kenny Pickett should still be sitting, in my opinion. Um, in the AFC West, I mean, you look at the South. I think everything is exactly how we thought it would be. We were going back and forth on the culture of the Titans. The Jaguars had looked really good up until this past yeah. week, and this past week they looked horrible. They looked like the yeah. Jaguars team that we thought they would be. Uh, they lost to the Texans. Um, but I look at the AFC West. The Chiefs, it seemed to me they sh- kind of struggled the first couple weeks. Not Obviously, I mean, they're winning. They're doing good things. Uh, but that offense, to me, definitely felt like it was still missing something, and I think they found that over the past two weeks. Uh, I believe it was the Colts they lost to. That was kind of like a wake-up call. And ever since that loss, they've, they've been on track. They've looked like a very dominant team. The Chargers, uh, it's Brandon Stanley. I, I think he I, he's just not going to get done a head coach for me. Uh, yeah. he, has, he has that talent of a team. And we, I've said this before. It's one thing to, to you know have analytics and kind of look at them and lean on them. But when your entire coaching philosophy is analytics – you're going to lose stupid games the way he has. Yeah. Uh, uh, can't remember. It was Jacksonville who went out there and just walloped them uh, all over their home field. Yeah, Justin Herbert was hurt, so on and so forth. But just the play calling from Brandon Stanley alone was terrible. The Chiefs game, same thing. Um, 
you need to have an instinct of, of what you need to do in certain games. And he doesn't have that. He just has, okay, I'm going to look at this, this clipboard here, and this is what I'm going to do. This is what my numbers say to do right here, right now, and it's not working. Um, this is a team that should be winning a Super Bowl uh, with, with the roster they have, and they're not going to get it done with him at head coach. Uh, the Broncos, good God, does Russell Wilson suck. Like, I, I know we had talked about it before. I didn't think he was going to be you know, anything better than sliced bread, but I thought he was going to be a capable quarterback, a better quarterback than they have had in, in recent years, kind of like Peyton Manning was at the end of his career. Uh, you know, when he led them to this Super Bowl, yeah, he was setting records, but it was records he was close to. He wasn't going out there and, you know, obliterating the competition. Um, he was, he was going to be an experienced quarterback to come in and service a very well-rounded roster and get them into the playoffs. Uh, he is doing everything but that. He, he is, I would argue, probably the worst quarterback in the league right now. Um, and then the Raiders, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what they need to do. Uh, they put up a lot of points. They've held teams to a few points. They just. It's kind of like I just said with the Packers. They can't do everything together. They can't put it together for a full game. They did uh, last week, not, not against the Chiefs, but the, the previous week, and they got their first win. Um, but they, they just can't do that week in, week out for some reason, and that's that's why they're sitting at 1-4. and four. They're almost definitely not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but uh, I'll let you speak real quick before we get into college football. Yeah, so uh, just to talk about a couple of few points here, I won't go over every team. Um, Bill's look like like you said the team we thought they were gonna um there's rumors i'm not really sure what the basis behind it is it but there's been talk about christian mccaffrey moving and the spot that's favorited for him to go is buffalo and if christian mccaffrey is healthy in the backfield of buffalo i i don't know who's gonna touch him um everybody else in that division especially with tua being out in the dolphins uh, for however long that that may be um that's going to put a damper on them. If, if he can come back and, you know, lead them uh, and play the way he was playing before he left out, they're definitely going to compete in that division. Um, in the North, <laughs> Ravens are still the Ravens. <laughs> um, did not change from last week. We were talking about that. Uh, and I, everybody else in that division continues to not want to be in the playoffs, I guess. Uh, the, the South is the South. I still think that the Jaguars are – going to be the best team and I, I don't know if they're necessarily going to win it that's going to have to be everything put together properly but I think that they're the best overall team in that division on paper um the, the Titans should be sitting at two and three I, I'm not sure I forget exactly what the Colts are currently sitting at um but maybe I, it is two and two because the Texans are also one and three but I don't oh know. it's probably I, two two and one did because that's Texans, right that's yeah because they tied right. the first week that's what it is yeah, yeah. um I knew I was missing something yeah, and the West, you know, the Chiefs, we see this every year. They struggle the first couple games, and then about week six, week seven, maybe week eight, um, it, they show that they're one of the best teams in the league. Chargers, like you said, I, I think about two years ago, they should have been playoff contenders, and they weren't. And I think about last year, I genuinely thought that they were going to be Super Bowl contenders. Um, you know, obviously, they got to get past the Chiefs, and that's the biggest hiccup in that division. But I thought that they could have been contenders, um, and they – didn't get there. And then this year they got even better. I thought the same thing. You thought the same thing. And here we are, they're sitting at three and two, but yeah. you know, whatever it may be, I agree with you. I think it's coaching, but whatever the reason is, it's uncalled for. Um, Broncos don't deserve to be two and three at all. They, uh, that offense looks terrible. The defense is doing its job. I, I don't think they've allowed more than like 24 points in a game this season. I could be wrong about that, uh, but just off the top of my head, but 
Russell Wilson, uh, his ride is straight off a cliff. As I called it, I said that uh, you did. It, 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 he wasn't going to be the answer there, and he's obviously not the answer. He couldn't do it in Seattle, in my opinion, with a more talented wide receiver room. I don't know why they thought he was going to come in and save uh, Denver, but whatever. And the Raiders, this I did not call. Um, like you said, they just they can't put it together. And yeah. I, I don't – whatever reason that may be, um, it's, it's not – I'm sure the fans are absolutely pissed. I'm kind of pissed because I had a lot of faith in them. Um, but it doesn't really affect me, so I'm not that pissed. But they should not be sitting at one and four. The three teams – sorry, there's one more team, the Steelers. But the Steelers deserve to be one and four, I think. Um, the three teams in the NFL other than the Steelers that are one and four, I, I feel like are a lot better than one and four. Yeah. Uh, this is the last thing I want to say before we do move on to college football. Uh, it's just with the Ravens. Like, they're walking into every win, basically. It's luck. It, they have a, a super talented team. They have one of the best offenses in the league. They just can't finish out games. Or they have this past week where they had a few bounces go their way, and they get the last second field goal. And that, that's great and all. That's going to win them the division. That's going to get them into the playoffs. But it's not going to get you very far in the playoffs if you just rely on luck. Uh, again, they need to put – a full four quarters together. They can't take the second quarter off or the third quarter. You know, if you look at this past week, or if you look at their other losses, they can't take the last five minutes of the fourth quarter off. Um, so I, I'm the Ravens have the potential to be the bills. Like I think those two teams are on a collision course for the ASC championship. If the Ravens can just put together a, a full game week in week out. Yeah. I, I understand there's going to be weeks where, I mean, you look at the Bills where uh, – I can't remember who they lost to now. Um, uh, I know. Uh, it was the Dolphins. Uh, where yeah, they, Dolphins. They went to Miami and they just they, – they didn't have it. They, I don't know what it was. And you're going to have that some weeks. Um, and I, I think that's acceptable. I mean, obviously, every team wants to go 17-0, so on and so forth. But it, it's, it's acceptable to have that. But just the way the Ravens have been playing, it's very surprising to me. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, they need to play much better. Um, I think that one thing also that we tend to take granted is like what on the field, it might look like, say, the Bills and the Texans are, you know, worlds apart. But in the NFL, you're talking about professional athletes. These are the top one percent of players in the world. Like it might seem like a whole lot, but really, these teams aren't as far apart as what a lot of people would like to think. Um, And, you know. Everybody knows the phrase any given Sunday, and that's really how it is. You're not going to go undefeated. If you are, you're probably two steps above everybody else in the league um, or you're cheating (coughs) Patriots. But anyway, um, yeah, it you know, so it's going to happen, but it's how you respond to it. You talk about the Ravens. You've got to finish games. Um, There's a lot of teams here that I think are better than what their record suggests. I know that phrase, oh, you are what your record says you are. And yeah, I understand it, and I get it to a point, but that's not always the case, especially when you're talking this early in the season. Yeah. Um, but like we said, it is time to talk about college football week six. Uh, let's get into some of these games here. It was a great weekend of college football. Yeah, um, we'll start off with the noon games here. Tennessee at LSU. I thought Tennessee had this covered. I didn't think they were going to beat the brakes off LSU as bad as they did. Final score, 40-13. to Hedden Hooker didn't have a great day either. Uh, I mean, he had a good day. Uh, but not kind of the numbers that we got used to seeing him put up. Because uh, he didn't have to, to be honest. Exactly. LSU uh, just didn't show up to their own stadium. Yeah. Uh, Hooker, yeah. If you look at the pictures from the game, it looked like they played at Tennessee. Uh, yeah. 
Hooker goes 17 to 27, 239 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Daniels for LSU, 32 of 45, 300 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I'm supposed to say held. LSU held to 55 yards rushing. God damn it, George. Held. They got held. Uh, it's close, at least. Uh, what I would say was probably the game of the week, an absolute instant classic between TCU and Kansas. College game day was at Kansas. That was an absolutely insane environment. I wish I was there. The videos oh, that have come out of people just walking to the stadium, and it sounds like the game has already started from how many people were at game day. Yeah. It was so cool to see. Uh, the most viewed college game day I think they've had since 2019. Um, so that's awesome to see. Duggan, I think he is getting his name put up on some Heisman list right now. After what he did to Oklahoma last week, uh, what, how well he played against Kansas, I, his name is now on my radar. Uh, before that Oklahoma game, it really wasn't. I kind of I did that film review last week um, from the Oklahoma game. Duggan is really good. He he is he is legit. Uh, they play a very tough Oklahoma State team this week. That is going to be an interesting game to watch as well. Uh, and so if he can stay healthy, his name should absolutely be on some people's radars. Uh, he goes 23 of 33, 308 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Bean, Mr. Flickin' Bean, came in Flickin for Kansas. Uh, he was 16 to 24, 262 yards, four touchdowns. Some of those touchdown throws were absolutely just chef's kiss. Uh, one interception, which ended up proving very costly. Uh, Jalen Daniels left in the second quarter with a shoulder injury. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Twitter uh, meltdown yesterday, but a reporter came out and said Jalen Dun- da- oh my God, Jalen Daniels is done for the year. Uh, he has separated AC joint, and uh, that's all he said. Uh, Lance Leopold then tweets like, "Oh, look who stopped by my office! It's Jalen Daniels, and he's putting his arms above his head and everything." Oh, and everybody's boy. like, "You can't do that if you have a separated AC joint." Then the newspaper that said reporter used to work for comes out and says. I th- I don't know if this got him fired or, or the tweet was kind of worded a little weird, um, but they said, you know, so-and-so reporter formerly worked for us. Uh, we we did not vet this information or anything. We don't know what his source was. Uh, and, you know, kind of like, don't come for us. Like, we didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a lot of controversy in uh, Lawrence, Kansas yesterday. Uh, but hopefully Jalen Daniels is healthy. Uh, I don't think he'll return this week. I think he's going to sit this week out, which is they play Oklahoma on the road. Um, which they could definitely use him for, but it is crazy. Like I thought when Daniels went out of that game, I was like, oh, it's over. Like there, there's no shot. Bean came yeah. in and actually well, he was struggling really before yeah. he went out. Like he, he wasn't playing what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Up to the level we're used to seeing him play. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's because they had no film on Bean or whatever, but he came in and he was absolutely throwing dimes. Yeah. He had that, that mess up with interception, which was a bad interception, but. And he's quick, Kansas, too. Can't, yeah, Kansas is in good hands. I, I'm excited yeah. to see this offense continue. It's not like some of these other offenses where it, it almost reminds me of the Penn State situation. And, again, yeah, we have our thoughts with Clifford. But if Clifford got hurt, Penn State's in good hands. If And yeah. now we see Daniels get hurt. Now hopefully they can keep being healthy uh, because I, I am pulling so hard for this Kansas team. They are one win away from bowl eligibility. And I don't yeah. care what bowl game it is. They, they deserve to be there. Uh, and I think they'll get the win. Um, yeah. And they and they had the chance at the end of the game to tie it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it wasn't for the refs, I think they absolutely do tie it. Um, yeah. Moving on, speaking of whoopings, uh, Mississippi State 40-17 to over Arkansas. This is an Arkansas team that was just ranked in the top 10 three weeks ago. Uh, three straight losses, three tough losses. Uh, <laughs> They're on the downhill, and it, it's not very subtle. It's a cliff. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> 
they fell off the side of Mount Everest. Um, but Mississippi State looks better and better every week. They had that – I don't – it's not – it wasn't a close loss to LSU. LSU kind of put it on them. But ever since then, Rodgers has looked really good. He went 31-48, 395 yards, three touchdowns on Saturday. Hornsby, uh, 348 total yards uh, and one touchdown. K.J. Jefferson did not play in this game. That is important to note. Uh, moving on to the next slate of games, Purdue at Maryland. Again, refs interfere in the game. Uh, missed an obvious offsides call on a blocked field goal. O'Connell did fall out, though, 30 of 41, 360 yards, two touchdowns. Tegavailoa from Maryland, 315 yards, three, touch, three touchdowns, yards. one interception. Uh, Maryland did commit nine penalties on the day, though, that ultimately ended up being what, what killed them. Uh, upset of the week, I would say. I think Slade predicted UCLA to go in their win. I thought Utah was a much better team than this. Uh, I did not realize UCLA was this good. Uh, they are a good football team. DTR, I think, again, is another name getting put out there for some Heisman list right now, the way he's playing right now. Uh, 18-23, 299 yards and four touchdowns. Cameron Rising, 23-32, uh, uh, 287 yards, one interception. Uh, he did. He was their highest rusher, which I don't think I ever would have imagined me saying about Utah football is their highest rusher was a quarterback. Um, I just want to say, too, uh, Cam Rising, I think, in my opinion, if he's a more consistent quarterback, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. I, I would but agree. We, we well, haven't we, seen, at least this year, I mean, last year, you know, that yeah. Utah team was looking good, but this year we haven't seen that that consistency yeah. that really I, I think Utah needs out of him. Uh, well, obviously Utah needs out of him, but um, I, I think he's got the talent to be there. We've seen shades of it in this game, but, you know, it's there's a couple plays a game that – you know, he, he makes a bad decision or just doesn't set his feet right or something. That, yeah. He, the the rising that we saw down the stretch last season that just dismantled Oregon twice, uh, had Ohio State on the ropes before, you know, they their offense got going in the second half. Um, that The camera rising in the second half of last season was a Heisman contender through and through. I thought I thought that's who we were going to see all season this year. You know, he he got thrown in against San Diego State last year, you know, he wasn't supposed to be the starter. Turns his whole season around. This year, he gets everything put on him. I don't know if, if it's because of that or, or you know the expectations are so high or what's going on. But yeah, it, it's it's concerning for that Utah team. They now have two losses, so they're pretty much out of the college football playoff conversation. The way the Pac-12 uh, championship game is structured this year, where it's just the top two teams and not necessarily the North versus the South, um, it, it's it's dangerous because you have UCLA and uh, USC undefeated right now. Uh, Oregon's undefeated in, in Pac-12 play. Uh, Washington is one loss as well. So, I mean, it's it's just a jumble for the top, and, and you need to pick up these big wins where you can. Um, so it'll be excuse me, interesting to see how they handle the rest of the year. Uh, Tulane continues to ride the green wave. I, I thought of a stupid pun on Saturday. Uh, I figured I'd roll with it. Um, <laughs> they pick up a big win at home against Eastern Carolina, 24-9. Pratt for Tulane, uh, 27 of 34, 326 yards and two touchdowns. Ehlers for Eastern Carolina, 288 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, and on to the next slate of games, we had Washington State at USC. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer. Not that I didn't think USC wasn't this good. I just thought Washington State would be able to hang with them a little bit. Uh, Caleb Williams, 15 of 29, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Dye, my boy from Oregon. Um, 
I honestly, God, I, I pray that either USC gets two conference losses or, or something happens because I do not want to see Travis Dye play Oregon. Uh, it's just <laughs> going to hurt hurt my heart too much. Uh, 149 yards, one touchdown rushing. Cam Ward for Washington State, 19 to 32, 172 yards and two touchdowns. To me, it really seems like ever since that Oregon lost, this Washington State team just cannot find any consistency. Um, I, I thought they were kind of riding a high, especially after upsetting Wisconsin on the road to start the year. Um, they had that deflating last second, last minute loss to Oregon. And I, I think since then, they just haven't been able to find their footing. Uh, a surprising game of the week, uh, we had Alabama, Texas A&M. This is going to get me upset again. Um, but Alabama wins 24 to 20. Uh, Haynes King actually didn't play too bad. Uh, 25 of 46, 253 yards, two touchdowns. Milrow for Alabama, 12 of 19, 111 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Uh, Gibbs was a story there for Alabama, as he has been for much of the season so far. 154 rushing yards. I, I understand it was the last play of the game. It, like, it was your only shot at the end zone. But I, I swear, I thought I, – I think my five-year-old nephew can draw up a better goal line play yeah. to run than whatever that was that Texas yeah. A&M tried to run. Haynes didn't even look to his left, first of all. And I think the receivers over there knew it because if you watch, they kind of just jogged their routes and they're like, oh, well, if he looks this way, I'll try and get open. He, he knew from the snap he was going to the right. It's, it's a back shoulder throw. I get that. You can't wait 30 seconds to throw the ball, first of all. He yeah. catches it, holds, holds, and then throws. Everybody know what – that play call just made zero sense to me. If you're going to put the game on the line like that, you need to have a ballsy play. You can't go with the same thing that we have seen since yeah. 2010. And that's my biggest sticking point with Jimbo Fisher. When I did the film review this weekend, I originally was going to do how bad Texas A&M's offense is, and it's because it's so archaic. Because Jimbo Fisher refuses to just get with the times. It's like watching – Nebraska run their 1995 national championship offense every week. <laughs> thinking, oh, this, well, this won us a title back then. This this will get us here. Jimbo Fitch was like, this offense won me a title in 2014, and I got to the playoffs in 15. So this should work. It's It doesn't. People understand what is happening in front of them, like yeah. especially when they see the same thing year in, year out. It, it, it drives me nuts, and I, I can't stand it. Uh, and then Notre Dame continues to – you know, show the resurgence here this season. They beat a very good BYU team. I would call it a road game, kind of. It was, I mean, they had a ton of BYU fans there. Uh, 28 20. Uh, Drew Pine, 22 of 28, 600, or 600, 262 <laughs> yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Mayer for Notre Dame had 11 receptions, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. He is also now Notre Dame's all new all time reception leader by a tight end. And Hall for BYU did not have a great night. Uh, nine of 17, 120 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. The interception came on the very first play of the game. It was arguably the worst throw I've ever seen. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He just he threw a jump ball when the receiver wasn't expecting a jump ball. Um, but I'll get your thoughts on these games real quick before we move on. Yeah, um, USC week in, week out is, you know, proving the doubt is wrong. I thought they were going to be a good team this year. I did not see them being this good. Um, I, I don't have any hate for USC. Uh, there's a, a Rose Bowl back there a couple years ago, but we won't talk about it. Um, Texas A&M, I thought going into this game that Texas A&M was going to give Alabama trouble. I do not think this is an Alabama team like we're used to seeing. Um, I think at this point they might not even be a top four team in the country, uh, especially with some of those teams below them are playing. We'll find out this week. 
Um, and Notre Dame BYU, uh, I think the next drive that BYU had after that interception, I if I remember correctly, there was a fumble. Um, I don't. Yeah, remember. I can't remember if it was the very next drive. It was it was a drive soon after, but yeah. Yeah. Um, which obviously you know, eight point game. That's one possession. Uh, you can't have that, especially when you're a BYU team that was, in my opinion, playing better than, um, where everybody thought they were going to. Yeah, they've they've had some stumbles here, but you just you can't have that. Uh, so move and on. And it also make you know, George's family is Notre Dame fans. So we were sitting here, uh, Slade and I picked BYU. And next thing you know, we're looking bad for the family. I say George's family, like it's not also my family, but yeah. So I mean, Notre Dame has looked progressively better since that Marshall loss. Um, and then one thing I actually found interesting. So after the Marshall game, uh, Coach I can't Mark, Coach Freeman converted to Catholicism. Uh, and like a, a big, you know, ceremony and everything, which is very common for people who end up coaching, especially if you're going to be the head coach at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, and since he's converted. I always not, thought that was more of like now a few <laughs> So did I. But <laughs> apparently it's not. But he is now 3-0 and since converting to Catholicism, which I found actually pretty funny. James Franklin should give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on uh, to what we had picked as Game of the Week, but did not turn out to be Game of the Week. Uh Texas just stampeded Oklahoma. Mm. See what I did there? Um, Texas, Texas might be back. I hate to say this. Listen, <laughs> Texas might be back. Um, I, I'll put it this way: I am not going to trash talk Texas anymore this season. Yeah, um, I mean, great. Oklahoma is in a bit of a free fall right now, but I did not think a forty-nine enough in free fall. No. I mean. Ewers was back, uh, you know, which obviously is better for Texas, at least in my opinion. Um, but wow, yeah, um, yeah, I think Quinn Ewers going back is going to be a big help. I mean, just to continue this role, they still obviously have very tough games coming up. We joked about it at the beginning of the season, but the Kansas game at Kansas is going to be difficult. They still play, I believe, they play at Oklahoma State this year. Uh, they play Baylor, who is 50 50 on if they're going to yeah. be a really good team or a really bad team. Uh, and they still play TCU. Um, so, I mean, by no means is, is it an easy road ahead. Uh, they have some of their toughest games coming up, but <laughs> they looked good this week. Yeah. Um, Ewers 21-31, 289 yards and four touchdowns. Robinson, uh, B.J. Robinson, 22 carries, 130 yards and two touchdowns. Oklahoma only had 195 total yards of offense. Uh, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, actually, I think I had said something to you um that you know we just talked about i'm I'm not gonna talk uh any trash on texas either especially because there's two ass cheeks that might have longhorns on them um depending on how the season goes but uh no the one of my buddies uh, a couple weeks ago uh oklahoma was playing i believe at 7 30 and i happen to have a penn state sweatshirt on and he was like oh the best team in the nation plays at 7 30 tonight and they lost that game uh lost what the next game or was this the next game no yeah what's their record they, they lost to kansas state and they lost yeah. to ecu and then they yeah so now, they're, they're, yeah. they lost three straight i think yeah. they have to lose four if you ask me uh I, who are they playing kansas gone blank kansas yeah um i'm here for it but uh I, I won't say his name on here but i'll call him by his nickname well no that's probably even worse so i'll just say devin if you're listening to this, because there's a lot of Devons out there, uh, I'm sorry, buddy. And how's that best team in the nation? Yeah. Uh, I forgot to put it on our uh, presentation here, but let me pull up our updated standings. 
actually, I never did them, so uh, we're just going to scratch that for this week. Uh, in our <laughs> picks, though, uh, Slade and I both went eight and two. Nick, you went six and four. Uh, I would know I went one and one with my cash out picks. Um, didn't tell you. Uh, oh, I went zero and two because I had Kansas and BYU. That's right, you did. Um, I think I got the cash out right here. I mean, this podcast is already off the rails. Might as well. Yeah, a little bit more. Um, no, you you had Maryland money line. Uh, Say took Tulane minus three and a half, uh, which hit, and he had Texas A and M and Bama over fifty one. Which did that hit? Uh, I think that was forty four. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Uh, but without <laughs> without further ado, you stared at it long enough. Here's the updated Jack Wagon Sports top twenty five rankings uh, for this week. Uh, fallen out of the rankings, UNLV who was twenty first, and Washington who was twenty fourth. Washington just suffered their second loss. They lost to. Arizona State on the road. Uh, Ohio State is a new number one team in the country, and I, in my opinion, I think they've honestly looked like it. Um, doesn't matter who they play. They, they play the same way every week. They handle each opponent the same way. We've seen Alabama struggle against opponents. We've seen Georgia struggle against opponents. Ohio State does not. Uh, Alabama is now the number two team. Tennessee uh, jumps Georgia. They are now the number three team, meaning this weekend's game is two versus three in the Jack Wagon rankings because that's the only rankings that really care. Uh, Georgia jumps up to fourth. Ole Miss jumps to fifth. Michigan falls to sixth. Uh, James Madison uh, moves up a spot to seventh, which, by the way, James Madison just got ranked in the AP poll top 25 for the first time this weekend. Uh, their first year in existence. Which of, is of funny, because like, didn't we talk about like half their team decided they were going to sit the rest of the year? No, and... no, that was uh, SMU. Oh, uh, SMU, that's right, that's right. Um. Texas jumps all the way from 25th to 8th. Uh, Mississippi State jumps from 16th to 9th. USC actually falls one spot to 10th. Clemson jumps to 11th. Syracuse falls because they had a bye week. TCU jumps three spots. Actually, I'm sorry. They fall three spots. Uh, Illinois uh, is now number 14. Tulane jumps to 15th. Oklahoma State is 16th. Minnesota falls to 17th. They also had a bye week this week. Penn State on a bye week falls to 18th. Utah falls to 19, UCLA jumps to 20th, Kansas uh, falls to 21st, and Oregon is in the rankings, baby. It's, I've, I've been dying for weeks to have this in here. It does not help when you lose 49-3 uh, to three your very first game. Um, yeah. Uh, Wake Forest also gets back into the rankings. Baylor falls – or, excuse me, Baylor jumps up to 24th, and LSU falls all the way to 25th. Uh, so that is your updated Jack Wagon Sports Top 25 heading into, I believe it's week seven now it is. Uh, so very excited to see how the rest of the season shakes out. Uh, you and I were talking about it a little bit. The standings have kind of like leveled out a little bit. The first oh, yeah. couple weeks we had teams going from first to last and, and so on. Yeah, we still had Syracuse, you know, just last week jump from unranked to fifth, and now they've fallen back down to 11th. Um, we need to tweak something to do for the bye weeks, but we'll figure that out later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I, I, I like how the rankings are coming around. Obviously, next year we'll, we'll work on it even more, but. Can't can't complain about how they look this year, especially. I, I feel like our rankings are a little bit more legitimate than the AP poll. Uh, I agree. Stand, I'll stand by that. Yeah. Um, you got anything else for tonight? I I, I really need to go get some Tylenol. Uh, yeah, I, I, think I think we've said enough cuss words and yeah. added enough to the swear jar. I think at this point we should we should just do our bet soon. Uh, and you know just because I to be I think I was being generous. I I have us at forty dollars right now. Yeah. 
uh, which would have been what twenty seven. I'm pretty sure we said more than twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd, I'd I'd venture to say we said. Gonna have to put the Brembo advisory on the on the cover of this one. Yeah, um, but that will do it for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Uh, thank you guys as always for checking us out. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of this, as we are every week. And don't forget uh, Saturday morning at eight a.m. And let you guys let us know. Would you like us to move it back a little bit later? I know eight a.m. is a very difficult time for everybody to wake up. Obviously, it's very difficult for Nick to wake up at 8 a.m. Um, okay. Hey, I was up and ready at 8.45. You were, and then you text us saying, guys, I'm hopping on. I'm like, Nick, we're already done. Like, um, buddy, it's a little late for that. But but no, seriously, if, if you guys would like us to start a little bit later, uh, if you, I was honestly thinking about it. Maybe it will help our, our live ratings. Uh, but you guys let us know. Would you, would you like to start later? Does it not really bother you? So on and so forth. Uh, please, feedback is welcome, uh, as always. Um, but make sure you like this video, subscribe, turn your notifications on. So you guys know when we do go live with our Saturday morning show out of the tunnel, uh, we are excited to bring that to you this week. Uh, game of the week. I'll just say it now. We've already decided, uh, I'll, I'll throw Nick and Slater bone game of the week is Penn state at Michigan this week. Uh, and so we're going to have a breakdown of that game. We're going to have a breakdown of, of all the other games going on, uh, and, and so much more for you guys. Uh, and so please come join us for that Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, as always for every Saturday morning. And like I said, this podcast comes out every Thursday. I think I've done enough talking. Uh, my brain hurts and I, I need to go put some money in the swear jar. Uh, so without further ado, we will see you guys in the next episode and have a great rest of your night, day, you whenever you watch this. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to say with these. There's another dollar. <laughs>